Brenda and I are, and our kiddos have been having some problems too, and um, I wanted to, this morning, I wanted to open up in the Psalms and, and uh, read together um, about David whenever he was having a uh, whole host of problems and what he did and what he prayed and what he found in God. Um, let, me, let me just tell you kind of, let me set, set it up for you. You know the Psalms are a collection altogether, but the thing that you don't get unless you kind of read and, and understand it a little bit, it's kind of unfortunate, but um, those things happen in the history of David or the person who's writing it. They're happening in the history of of Samuel or kings or happening in the, the restoration and whenever the Israelites are brought back or when they're over in exile or when David's, you know, committed adultery with Bathsheba or um, there's psalms of praise when they enter the temple and those things you kind of miss unless you, unless you uh, kind of study them a little bit. But anyway, you should study them a little bit because it's just really fascinating when you kind of put the context together. But let me rehash for you. We're going to be in Psalms 3 this morning, and you can go ahead and turn there, but let me rehash for you what's been happening in the life of David. If you just kind of read along in Samuel, in the books of Samuel, and in the second, in second Samuel, you have in 2 Samuel 11 and 12, we're not going to just read this, I'm just going to recap for you. In 2 Samuel chapters 11 and 12 is where David commits adultery with Bathsheba, and to make it worse, he, uh, he conspires in murder to have her husband killed. Um, and then he loses his son. In 2 Samuel chapters 12 through 14, you, you talk about a family who's dysfunctional or having trouble. Uh, David's family has some trouble, um, and those chapters are devoted to the trouble that's happening in David's family um, as part of that is his own sin, but also you see the sin of his, his own kids. In 2 Samuel then chapters 15 through 18, David has a son named Absalom, who starts to kind of have great thoughts of grandeur about himself being king. The problem is his dad, King David, is king. And so in, uh, in, in 2 Samuel verse, chapters 15 through 18, we read the story of David fleeing from, for his life, leaving uh, Jerusalem and leaving the palace because his son Absalom is coming with an army and intends to coup and take over the kingdom. Time after time, trouble after trouble, and it's not just that he's having external problems. David's had his own problems. He's failed in his own morality. He's failed as um, a leader. He's failed as a father. He's failed as a man, a godly man there before his family and before all of Israel. In the midst of all of that trouble and in the midst of him having to pick up and move out of the palace, he writes Psalm chapter 3. So let's read together. We're going to read the first couple of verses of, uh, of Psalm chapter 3 this morning. And uh, follow along here with me if you would. In Psalm chapter 3, you'll see the little, uh, the little notes above. It says something in your Bible. says something like, when he fled from his son Absalom. In verse, chapter, beginning in verse 1 of Psalm chapter 3, O Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. Let me pause there for just a second. Um, David stood against uh, an army. There was an army that was coming for him. There were at least 10,000, we think. There was probably more than that who came. Um, and uh, because as Absalom went around, he was just trying to gather momentum and gathering people, and it worked. People were beginning to follow Absalom, and he went out throughout the countryside, and they blew trumpets, and they started to shout, Great is King Absalom, and trying to take over the throne from his father. And some of his own friends, some of the people who had been David's friends, had turned against him and turned toward Absalom. And so, so now what was happening is that his enemies, the people who were around him, were mocking him and were saying about David, 
God will not deliver him. Well, why would they say that and how could they, they say that? Well, let me suggest to you the same thing that sometimes you and I think. There had been so much trouble in David's family. There had been so much failure in his own life. The circumstances looked like, if you and I were looking in, we would look at his life and see, said he's even been driven from, his, from the palace. He's, been always, he's even been driven from, from the capital city. He's been driven from his throne. His own friends have betrayed him. His own son has betrayed him. And now there's an army coming against him in, despite all of his other problems. And you and I, just like they would, look at the situation and says, God's not with him, apparently. God has apparently abandoned him. God has apparently forsaken him. And let me suggest to you this morning that it's one thing to have trouble. It's one thing to have something happen to you that's beyond your control. But it is the worst and the darkest of days. It is the the sourest of circumstances when you get into one of those situations and you feel abandoned by God. There is nothing darker than that. There is no there's no loneliness lonelier than that. There is no trouble that's more troublesome than that. And there is no, uh, there's nothing else that we could face on this earth to be in that kind of trouble and think that God was not there to help us. But this is their claim. This is what they say to David. This is what they mock to him and tell him. And, and really, to be really honest, it appears that they're right. Nothing good has happened for David for, you know, six chapters. Nothing good has happened in his life. There's just trouble after trouble. And ultimately, finally, it's not only his own failure, but ultimately he's driven from the kingdom. And now even his kingdom and even his role as, as Israel's king is in question. Will he be their leader? Will he be in the palace? Will his family be completely torn apart? Would he even survive? Would his life end here? Would this other army defeat him and kill him and his son take over? Um, it's all in the balance right here. And I want to... I I want to I want to pause here because this is the this is the important this is the important part of of the sermon today. Um, it looks like David's been forsaken. It looks like his life has been abandoned. It looks like God is nowhere around to help because if we're judging by the circumstances, God is not in this. Um, have you ever been in that dark of a place? Have you ever been in that kind of a pit? where it didn't matter where you looked, there just wasn't any light. There just, you know, you always hope for the light at the end of the tunnel, and you just think, well, I can persevere, and I can endure for a while if I can just see, you know, that there's going to be an end to this. But at this point in the story, they don't know, David doesn't know how it's going to end. Maybe his family's torn apart. Maybe he'll lose the kingdom for sure. Maybe uh, his own family or or himself, maybe he'll even end up giving his, his own life as he battles to save his own kingdom. Have you ever been in that kind of, have that kind of fear that maybe God's left me? Maybe he's forsaken me. Maybe he's moved on and there's nothing now. I, I'm beyond his reach. And, and let me tell you, there's some reasons that we think this. Sometimes it's because of our own failure. Sometimes it's because of our own sin that we start to doubt that God is going to be there for us, right? We start to say, well, I haven't been faithful and so he won't be faithful to me. David certainly could have thought that. He had, he had sinned, and it wasn't a little one, right? When you, you know, commit adultery and then uh, conspire to have someone murdered, that's pretty big, right? We, even us would agree, that's a big sin. That's a big, you know, there's somewhere place that you don't want to go. But David went there, and he had committed that kind of grievous sin against God. 
But how about your circumstances? How about when everything looks like there is no possible way that God would allow you to go through these things, that God of love wouldn't allow you to go through these things, and surely he's forsaken you, and surely he's abandoned you. Have you ever been to that kind of a part in your life where you just feel that amount of loneliness, that amount of being left alone, that amount of that I'm beyond help, that God even has abandoned me, and he has even forsaken me, and now I am beyond anyone's reach? You ever felt like that? Listen to what David says in the midst of this darkness. Okay, so you have, the, we, you have the many. You have many of his foes. Many of the people would like to see him f- come down. You know, many of the people who had supported Saul and had David replace him were, were bitter, and he runs into some of those in 2 Samuel. But, but many of them are saying to them, and not just one, but many of them are saying to him, God will not deliver him. But look what David says in verse 3. But you are a shield around me, O Lord. You bestow glory on me and lift up my head. To the Lord I cry aloud and he answers me from his holy heel. Let's pause there for just a moment. What I love and I hope you love about Psalms is you see these people, and David in particular, you see these people struggling in their walk and their relationship with God. They're struggling to get along. They're struggling because they have trouble. They're struggling because they have fear, legitimate fear. Really deep, dark places that they venture in, fearing for their lives, fleeing from their enemies, wondering what's going to happen, wonder what what tomorrow's hold. Am I going to make it through? Am I going to live? Am I going to die? You see David also sick at times, and he's sick on, on his deathbed, and he's wondering, how is this going to end? Will you heal me, or am I going to die here? And you see him say things like this, like he says in verse 3, but you are a shield around me, O Lord. Um, this is, I, I, I wish I could explain how profound this is, but in the midst of his trouble, David does not doubt. This is actually, this is one of the earliest Psalms. This is actually one of the la- later things that happens in David's life. Um, it, it's almost like they were put in backwards in the Psalms. But anyway, um, this is one of the things that's happened later in his life. At this point, David's been king. At this point, David's, you know, run around and had Saul chase him around in the desert for years. At this point, he served as king and seen, seen God triumph for him and on his behalf. And then all of a sudden, that all ends, and he has trouble after trouble and sin and trouble in his family and trouble with his wives and trouble with his children over and over. And ultimately here, he's wondering, is it all going to end this way? But he says, but in the midst of it all, God, Lord, Yahweh, you are my shield. Okay, let's continue. You bestow glory on me and lift up my head. Can I tell you this about God? He is a glorious God. And, and we might talk about his God, about being, about his glory, about being his beauty. He is a beautiful God. His beauty, he is beautiful in majesty and grace and mercy. He is beautiful in justice. He is beautiful in his creative power. And he, this is the thing that's so great about him, he loves to share his glory and his beauty with us. He loves for us to see it. He loves to share it with us. He loves to reveal it to us. May I suggest to you this morning, sometimes we don't see it until we're in those very, very dark places. Sometimes he leads us into those deepest dark places so that he can show us the beauty of his majesty, of his comfort, 
of his peace, of his strength. Can I tell you this morning, I didn't need God's peace until I, I didn't see God's peace until I was at the point of my life that I needed God's peace. I didn't know God's strength until I was at the time of my life that I needed God's strength. But every time he leads me to a place that I have need, you know what I find about him? He is able and more than able to give me and to be for me all that I need. Amen? This is the glory and the beauty of our God. And sometimes he leads us into those very deep and dark places to discover something about him that we didn't know before. I was reading, I've been reading a, a lot lately. I'm, uh, you know, taking a class and, oh my goodness, it's all going to kick my uh, back end here soon. But anyway, I've been reading, um, uh, and, and one of the things that the, the guy that I'm reading writes is, he's a Puritan preacher, but anyway, one of the things that he writes is, is that how do you know when God is yours? It's when you depend on him when he fully, really becomes your own. How do, you, how do you obtain the promises of God? It's only when you're depending on that promise that it becomes yours. Until that time, it's not yours. Until that time, it means nothing to you. But at that time that you're desperate, at the time that you have need, you cling to the promise. And at that point, you've grasped hold and it belongs to you. And you've claimed hold and it is yours. The same is true about all of God and all of his attributes. It's not really yours until it's what you're clinging to until it's what you needed. We need to keep going here. Um, he bestows glory on me. God loves to share his glory with us, and he lifts up my head. Can, do you, can, you, can you see this? In the midst of his enemies, in the midst of everyone mocking him and telling him, God will not help you. God will not deliver you. He says, Lord, you come to me, and you lift my head. In the midst of his enemies, he says, you come and you lift my head, and I don't bow down in shame, and I don't bow down in humiliation, and I don't bow down in fear for what's coming, but in your presence, God, you come and you lift my head in the presence of my enemies, and he answers me from his holy hill. Holy hill. Can you imagine, can you see what, what huge difference is between the multitude and between what David is saying, and David is saying in the midst of his circumstances, in the midst of it looking like God has surely forsaken him, God, David steps up and says, no, he is my shield. He is the one, he is the glorious one who bestows glory upon me, and he answers me from his holy heel. How in the world did David have that kind of faith? Let me tell you, it wasn't from looking at his circumstances. And let me, let me tell you, you know, bring me some flares, torches, and kerosene. This is important. You cannot judge God's goodness or his favor or his love for you by your circumstances. How are you to judge his, his love and his circumstances? How are you to judge that? It is by demonstration of what he's done for you in the past. It is by demonstration and by faith in what you have done to, for me in the past, that you have shown me your chesed love, your devoted love for me, that you've devoted to me despite how I acted toward you. Because you've shown me that kind of loving devotion toward me, I'm confident that what you've done for me in the past, you're going to do for me in the future. And that's the kind of faith that David comes to here. I know you are my shield. Why? Because he's been my shield in the past. I know he will answer me. Why? Because he's answered me in the past. I know that he'll bestow glory upon me. Why? Because he's bestowed glory on me before. Because he's been there for me Every time I turn to him, it may not have be exactly the way I thought it would be. How many of you can testify about that right now? 
I thought that this is the way that the, I wanted the Lord to work, but he did this instead. Let me tell you, Brendan, I have a long history with this, right? I wanted to be rescued, but instead I was given strength, right? Regardless, regardless, God is glorious, amen? He gave me strength that I did not have before. I wanted to be rescued from my situation, but instead he gave me peace. I wanted to be rescued from my situation and him just take it away, just do away with it, but instead he gave me strength to stand, amen? You could all testify that this morning, right now, couldn't you? You've had things in your life that you wanted God to do, and he did something somehow even better, and he did, Lord, taught you to depend on him and rely on him, and here's the great thing about this. When you're depending on him and you're relying on him, there is no place better in the universe than that because he is a rock, a fortress, a shield, a shelter, a comfort, a helper for his people. Amen? Amen. All right, let's continue. We're going to go through the rest of this pretty quickly. Listen to this. He's, he's, there's an army of 10,000 or maybe more out there looking for David at this time, right? And what's he do? Verse 5, I lay down and sleep. Isn't that great? Can you believe the confidence he has? I, I, who could sleep like that? Who could, you know, wondering who's going to come about and try to find him? And there's an, an army out there and, and enemies out there who are, who are looking. There are spies around who are trying to spy and figure out where he is. And he says, I lie down and sleep. Okay. I awake again. Why? Because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear the tens of thousands drawn up against me on every side. And listen to what he says in verse 7. Just confidently, just asking the Lord, Arise, O Lord, deliver me, O my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. Don't you love praying? What are those called? Prayers of imprecation or something like that. I just learned that. Anyway, uh, I'll, I'll learn about that more. I learned the word. Anyway, strike all my enemies on the jaw, which is kind of a humiliating thing, and break the teeth of the wicked. The teeth are like, a, like, a, like a power, right? So if he breaks their teeth, they, they lose their power. Um, in verse 8, from the Lord comes deliverance. There's another way to say that. Anybody carrying the King James Version this morning? Someone is. What's it, what's it say, huh? Salvation belongs to the Lord. This is a familiar theme in the Scripture, isn't it? Maybe the theme of all of uh, God's history for us. Um, yeah, salvation belongs to the Lord, or what it says in the NIV, from the Lord comes deliverance. We've talked about this at length. I've talked about this at length. But salvation belongs to Him. It is His. Victory is His, and He gives it to us. It is more part of His sharing His glory and His beauty with us. May your blessing be on your people. Selah. Amen. Amen. All right, so where are we going? Where am I going with all this? Here's what I want to offer. Um, I, didn't, uh, I didn't leave quite enough time, but I would like for us to do it anyway. I want to I ask you, I want to invite you this morning. Are you in trouble? Are you having trouble? Is there trouble around? Are you are at the point that, you've, that you're really struggling? Uh, and I know I struggle. This is, this is the unfortunate part of being human is we're so temptable, is, aren't we? I am tempted and you are tempted when our circumstances turn bad to begin to doubt the Lord's love for us or his concern for us. It's true, isn't it? You, you do and I do. And, and we, we're, like, we're like David's foes sometimes. Sometimes those, those, the, 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 the thoughts of the enemy are in our mind and we begin to doubt his love and his concern for us. May I suggest to you this morning is that you remember like David remembers and you and I remember, but I know He's my shield. I know that he bestows glory on me. 
I know that in the midst of my trouble, he lifts my head. And I know that he hears my prayers. He answers for me from his holy hill. Would you say like I say this morning, Lord, give me that kind of faith. Give me a reminder. Help me to remember your goodness. Help me to remember those times that you've spoken so softly to me. And in those dark places, I've found comfort in you. In those very places where, where I was, uh, where I was uh, uh, just abashed, I was just beaten up, and you were my shelter. When I was alone, and you came along, and you were my comfort and my help. Um, if that's you this morning, we're going to, Tim, would you go ahead and play that? We're going to, we have just a few minutes here of time to, to pray together. Would you just bow your heads there where you're at this morning? We're going to ask the Lord just to, uh, just to come and remind us what it says over and over and over again in the Psalms. Lord, in the midst of all of our trouble, Lord, you are our shield. You are our shelter. You are our strength and our comfort. I just want to ask you this morning, if you'd like to come and just come here to the altar and, uh, and just ask the Lord to bless you, to remind you of these things, to ask him to come and just to speak tenderly over you and bring comfort to you because you're in the midst of trouble or you're in the midst of fear. Would you come on now? We'll just, we'll just pray together. We'll remember God's goodness and his faithfulness. Let it be known.